This athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all the games. The Bet365 Bet Builder will allow you to make personalized bets via the app, so you can go on and bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello listeners, I'm Carl Anker and welcome back to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, once again, we're continuing our retro reload, looking back to the 1998-99 season. I promise you, we aren't just picking that season because Manchester United won the trouble at the end. They're good reasons, trust me. As usual, I'm joined by The Athletic's Manchester United writer, Laurie Whitwell. Hi Laurie, how you doing? Hey Carl, I'm good, you okay? Yeah, I'm really good, I'm playing quite a bit of FIFA right now. Keeping it together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done ma- Quarantine FIFA. major tweaks to my Manchester United squad at the moment. Uh, I've got Yuri Tillian <laughs> like in there. And also joining me is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to The Athletic, Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you? I'm all right. I-, I vowed when I was a student never to play computer games again because they wasted that much time and I've not got desperate enough to play them again. So I know if I clicked into that football manager... I'd probably um, lose my wife and my children, so this isn't the right time to do that. <laughs> my rule is I'll play FIFA, but I won't play Football Manager. So Football Manager was free on the weekend, and I knew if I touched it, I would not be able to make this week's record. So instead, what I'm going to do is encourage everyone listening to this podcast to subscribe to Athletic to hear this show and many more. As usual, new subscribers can sign up right now to get a 40% discount by going to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. That's the business all done. Let's talk about the time when Manchester United were good, really good, the best team in the world, and probably one of the best teams of all time. Yes, it's the 98-99 season, the treble winning season. Each episode we're going to do between now and who knows when, we're going to look back at the games that Manchester United played from March 99 up until the conclusion of that season. So on the 21st of March 1999, Manchester United played Everton at Old Trafford. And let's, let me just look through this first 11 here. You've got Peter Schmeichel in goal, Gary Neville, right back, Phil Neville, left back, Roger Johnson, Yapstam, centre backs, David Beckham, Nicky Butt, Andy Cole, Dwight York, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and one Henning Berg as well in, I think that's a 4 4 2. And then I want to throw this to you first. Were you at this game? I was. Although that, that, that season was incredible, obviously, but the, the, there was actually, as a fan, you go into all these matches. It's costing a lot of money. You're going to the European away games. There's two massive games every week. So Everton at home, and Everton were pretty poor. They were 15th, 16th place in the table. So it was a bit of a come down having played in Milan midweek. But United were, were really bad that season after they played away in Europe. I think that half the points they dropped that season were after European away games. So it was vital with Arsenal pushing Manchester United for the league and Chelsea not completely out of it, that United beat, beat Everton. And they did that. They won 3-1. They played well. Um, I've had to jog my memory, I'll be honest. I can't remember you know, who came on and the subs and that sort of stuff. But one thing I did remember was uh, Jonathan Greening, who he came on and, and, he, and he did really well. And I'm sure Laurie's 
read up some other stuff on it and <laughs> probably a game as as a young as a young uh, a young fan in I don't know were you Laurie what was it like what can you no, remember yeah, yeah you're right Andy I can't remember this one you know I was going to games this season obviously and I remember as we were discussing off air before the um, the Liverpool game the FA Cup one which um, earlier that 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 season in the January where. Solskjaer sends the whole Stretford end the wrong way with his with his shape into shoot into the far corner and then drags it back into the in their post. Stoppage time. But, um, but no, I mean, yeah, I've I've spoken to Jonathan Greenley a couple of times actually for for different pieces. He's an absolutely brilliant um, guy, isn't he? I don't know if you you must know him as well, but um, he was reminiscing to me uh, about the time that United pulled out the FA Cup, obviously, um, you know, twenty years ago, and just sort of the the fun and games that they had over in Brazil with with Nicky Butt defying Fergie's orders to go on a hang gliding uh, session from the top of a, a mountain and, and Roy Keane it has to be said as well which you know you perhaps might not think of but um, but no that, that game in particular I look back at the highlights there's the final whistle Curtis didn't even get to kick the ball not once the Manchester United made plenty of impression in the second half but once they turned up the heat the contest was over three goals in the first 21 minutes of the second half, including one for Gary Neville, of all people. Uh, Solskjaer, great goal to sort of open it up. And, and Gary Neville with a, a lovely finish as well. One of those rare occasions where he, he gets a goal. Um, so I get, and sort of th- th- three goals in 30 minutes, bit of a blitz. And then that was that was all she wrote. And I guess they could they could rest a few after that. But um, but yeah, no, what doesn't stand out particularly for me, but obviously there was, there were so many games at that time that, you know, they just kept coming thick and fast, didn't they? So um, a win, you know, obviously clearly was, was well, a definitive one really because it, given it was only a point that they ended up beating Arsenal by. So, um, yeah, a good afternoon. Given the intensity of the matches, there was actually a considerable break after that game. That Everton game was on the 21st of March and United's next match wasn't until um, the 3rd of April. That was at Wimbledon away. Wimbledon was where you'd get thousands of United fans. It was absolutely brilliant for selling fanzines because... You, you just Wimbledon weren't very well supported at home. Sellers Park held thirty thousand. You'd get ten, fifteen, even twenty thousand, even more when United won the league. United fans at, at Sellers Park. So that, there was a lot of pressure around that Everton game, and Ferguson said that he was worried because the, their their form had been so bad, uh, having played away in Europe. So it was a really important win and the, the goals were brilliant as well. Beckham, Neville, Solskjaer, uh, as Laurie said. And I think Gary Neville said after that game, that's my one goal a year. Um, so everyone, every, everyone seemed to enjoy it. The really fun thing when you go through these retro reloads is sort of watching the team lineups. So when you think about United's strongest 11 or the classic 99-11, the funny stat that we always keep getting thrown is that they only played one, they only started one league game together, which is the 1 0 win at Coventry in February, 20th February 1999. And then two matches in total, another one being a Champions League quarter final win over Inter Milan. I think 
one thing that gets overlooked a lot about United at this time was basically how Ferguson was maybe one of the first managers to really understand squad rotation. Mm. What do you think, Laurie? Yeah, no, massively. Um, I was reading up on um, his various autobiographies recently just because I was trying to do, obviously it's a different time, totally different aspirations, but a, a kind of comparison with uh, the unbeaten run that United are, were on, um, you know, right now 11 matches unbeaten and how you kind of maintain that kind of momentum because obviously United went 33 games unbeaten in this season um, you know, after losing, um, wasn't it, to, to Middlesbrough. Uh, when Ferguson wasn't actually there. Um, it was at a funeral, I think. So, yeah, so just trying to sort of figure out how you can do that as a manager. And, and Ferguson spoke himself on just the fact of, you know, making sure that he had planned, you know, weeks, if not months ahead, you know, to sort of f- figure out which players would play in certain games. And that would then, you know, not only he'd have horses for courses where he could pick particular teams to, to do a, a number on a, another team, but also it would help motivate the, the players. They'd have something to aim for and that would, that would maintain morale because clearly over a course of a season, if you've got a certain few players that just don't think they're going to play, they're going to, you know, get in a mood. They're going to probably, you know, cause the atmosphere to come down a little bit. So by doing that, it, it certainly made sure that, you know, you had that, that momentum, that, that continuous um, positivity around the place and clearly as matches are, are stacking up that is absolutely crucial because you can't no no player I read Gary Neville's um, autobiography as well about this and, and no player could really be at the top of their you know fitness at all so um, every little bit counted in that in that regard and I'm really happy to say we've got one member of that 98-99 squad joining us for this week's episode Andy do you want to give us a little a quick intro to who we've got in this week Henningberg, another Norwegian. You know, it didn't sign any Norwegian and then signed a flood of them um, from 1996 onwards. Uh, Henning had come from Blackburn Rovers. He'd been part of the team which won the Premier League, beat Manchester United to the Premier League in 1995. And when people remember the teams that have won the Premier League, not like well, everyone remembers that Blackburn won it, but you know, there's some big teams have never won the Premier League. Liverpool, for example, they've never won the Premier League, but <laughs> Henningberg won it twice with two different teams. And I think he cost five million quid. I can remember being in the office uh, of Manchester United's magazine in London at the time when the, when the signing came through and when the pictures first came through. And John Peters, the official club photographer for a long time, he excitedly sent the pictures through and it, it was seen as a good signing and I'm sure he would have liked to have stayed longer and not had the injuries that he had, but Henning was a, was a decent signing. He had some great games for United. He wasn't a star, he didn't need to be, but he was a decent signing. And here he is right now. Delighted to welcome Henning Burke as a guest today. Henning, you were the first player to win the Premier League with two clubs and obviously you won a lot, lot more. But how would that Blackburn Rovers squad compare with the Manchester United team uh, who, you, who you joined? Blackburn were obviously a cracking team. They'd beaten United to the league title. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's always difficult to compare uh, different teams. Uh, OK, it was not so long time ago. These two teams played, uh, you know, with 99 with United and 95 with, with uh, Blackburn Rovers. But... Uh, um, a little bit different style of play, a little bit more physical backbone team, a little bit more uh, different, uh, more defensive, counter-attacking, but uh, also good enough to, to score enough goals and to win matches and dominate also, but dominate in a more physical way than uh, Manchester United were dominating more with the speed and the technique and the quality and the more possession domination. 
And, and Henning, what, what do you remember of the treble season? Obviously, it came quickly after you joined United. Um, is there anything overriding that sticks out for you? Yeah, well, there are many things in that season because they, that, that was a very, very special season, I think, uh, for me, but also for everybody. I think it was, I was a United for three years and I think... Uh, the the six months from from January till the end of the season or end to the May, or I got injured in end of April. But uh, until then, I, that was my best period at United. Uh, I played my best football. The team was winning more or less all the games, and and everybody within the squad were playing matches and contributing to making sure that uh, it was possible to 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 win three three trophies at the same time. So. It's. Um, it was. I don't know. You can go into different games and and this and that. But I think for me the the special thing was was the team spirit, the the success, the the winning, the week in week out, uh, some <clears throat> unbelievable tight calls, uh, late goal scored, uh, and the, just the momentum from from January till till. <laughs> finally the Champions League final to, to win it in, in extra time it, it was just like an an unbelievable travel What was it like playing alongside Yap Stamhenning you had some fine games together what did he bring out in your game and, and what was Yap like as, as, a, as a player what did he do well and, and what was he like as a person too Firstly as a person he was, uh, he was a great guy he came with the, the confidence and in his own ability he mixed very, very well with the other players. He was good uh, to, to socialize uh, with the team and to, to be part of the group. And then, uh, for sure, on, his, on the pitch, he was uh, physically massive. He, he dominated the challenges. He dominated the strikers. He was uh, okay pace. So he did not have any problems with the, with the tempo and the, the, in the beginning either. And also with the ball, he was better than people thought with his um, his big physique. So, so as as a player, he was one of the best ones. As as a person, he was a very good guy. That that um, game against Inter stands out for me in terms of of Stam when he he bounces Zamorano off him. You know, he's backing into him and he, he just sort of bounces off him. Um, and, and also, you you know made a crucial clearance in that game in the home leg and then also in the away leg with a, a sort of bicycle kick. Um, I just wondered were they sort of particular standout moments because for United fans and, and I was following that season as a fan that they're moments that really stand out as kind of crucial. You know, um, sliding doors moments almost that could have gone the other way if you weren't to intervene. Yeah, I think there were many situations like this for, for many different players at United at this time. We had some unbelievable late goals to, to finish matches. I remember Ryan Giggs also scored uh, in, I, very close to the end in the semi-final uh, to Juventus to make it, uh, I don't know, what is 1-1? Mm, one, 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 yeah. Yes, and then if, if this didn't happen, it would have been very, very difficult to go through in the second leg. So I think um, that this Inter Milan game for me, I think most people, United fans, if they... <laughs> If they will ever think of me, it will be for 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 uh, one of these two situations. That I think that is what they do remember. And uh, uh, but for sure, it is it's, it's enjoyable to be part of this when the thing goes well. And you know, as a, as a as a defender, you you will not score too many goals. But if you can save uh, save some goals, then you will be happy. Henning, you're in Cyprus now and mm. doing well, top of the yeah. league. If you could have one player from that Manchester United team who you played with in their prime playing with you 
in Cyprus when things get back to normal. You've obviously got a lot of world-class players to play with. Money's not a problem. They all want to come and play for you. Who are you taking to Cyprus, age 27? <laughs> um, it's a difficult one because it, what does our team need? I would say maybe one of the best players I played with at this United team, okay, Roy Keane, was uh, the most one of the most important players throughout the season because uh, he had the, the the ambition, the drive to, to get players with him. He, when we needed to score goals, he can join in and, and help to score goals. When we needed to defend, he can drop back and he defended as well. So so he was like the box-to-box -box, uh, overall performer. Then for sure you have goal scorers like Dwight York and Andy Cole. You have uh, wide players and uh, creative players like David Beckham, Ryan Giggs. You have post goals in the middle who can uh, who can do everything with the ball and, and, and play fantastically with the players. So... Uh, it's, it's very, very difficult in, in Omonia now. We we are doing quite well, as you said, and uh, we are in a, on a good way. What we would like to do is maybe score even more goals. So I I, I probably would have picked uh, for what we need in our team now. And the call, I think, would have been perfect in his prime. I think we, we would definitely have won the league then. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Henning, sort of another kind of question in terms of management, and I guess something you might have picked up from Sir Alex, but um, I read in his book, that he um, to kind of cope with the number of games that they had he obviously had to balance the squad and, and rotate and also would tell players ahead of time matches that they weren't going to play in but then you know in three weeks time the match that they were going to play in to kind of keep that motivation going and I just wondered how how did that sort of feel as a player in, in you know yourself obviously I know you got injured towards the end of it but I guess he must have had moments like that with you and and you know uh, what was the key what was the key to maintaining that momentum that you talk about earlier no, for sure. I mean, he, he was one of the first to, to actually start to rotate because, okay, United had many more games than most because we did well in Europe more or less every year. So I think there was an acceptance from the from the players that uh, you most of us or many of us would not play every game. Some players would play more or less everything and then others would need to rotate. And when you are at a big club like United... Uh, you have to accept it. Uh, you don't like it because every player would like to play every time. And when United have so many matches throughout the season, then uh, then you have to accept that you will not play every match. Even though some of the players, they did play most of the matches and other players uh, have to rotate. I think it was an acceptance from this. And uh, when you are having success, when you win most of the matches, for sure it's easier. To, to accept it. Uh, the problem is when you do a lot of rotation and you are not successful, you don't win matches, then you will create a much, much bigger disappointment with the players because everybody thinks they should be playing because the team is not winning. So uh, when you keep winning, rotation is no problem. What are your memories, Henning, of Sir Alex ahead of key games in that treble winning season? I've spoke to lots of your teammates Andy Cole, for example, said at halftime in Chirin he was completely calm about everything. He didn't give any sort of Churchillian speeches. What, what was he like? How did you read what he was like before huge games, which were coming twice a week? And have you taken that into your, your own work now as a manager? <laughs> um, it's, it's difficult to copy anybody so I, I tried to learn from, from everyone I've had I had some very very good managers I was very fortunate uh, for sure for Sir Alex Ferguson was uh, was one of the best in lead, his leadership was, was by far the best uh, in terms of his overall leadership of the group and how we how we controlled the most things uh, during the matches um, I think when we got towards the end when we had so many matches and so big games 
he I don't think he changed, but uh, he was more focused and knowing that he controlled his emotions better in terms that uh, he knew there were many, many matches to go. He knew the importance of every match. And I think he, he found a very, very good balance in terms of motivating the players and, uh, and when to, to, to push up and when to, to ease down. So, so for me, uh, I have, I've seen him more emotional in, in other games before this period and probably after this period as well. During this period, maybe because we were winning so much, he was uh, fine-tuning things more than making the big uh, waves. So I think uh, the results and the performances for sure also added to this. He spoke very well of you, but I'm sure there were moments where your relationship wasn't all sweetness and nice. Did you ever have a hairdryer from him? Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, I've been, I was there for three years, so there was one or two times, I think maybe once, where I really got it. You know, you know, when I came to Manchester United, I had hair. When I left, I did not have any hair. So, <laughs> uh, and, it, and it was only three years, but... Um, uh, no, no, he's a good guy, you know, and uh, he's emotional, which is good because you know where you stand. And uh, when you are doing well, nobody will give you more confidence. Nobody will help you more than what he does. So so he, he did a fantastic job, a brilliant job. And for sure, as, as a manager, you have to sometimes be strong. And sometimes he was strong. It was not a problem. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is obviously cut in, a, in the same kind of cloth as, as Sir Alex. I think Henning is, is fair to say. At least he's, he's trying to do um, the same kind of uh, things at United now. Did you see that he could be a manager when you were playing alongside him? And what are your thoughts on the job that he's doing right now at United? Well, I think he's doing a very good job in a very difficult circumstances with the high expectation, with the team that needed to change, both uh, in terms of quality, different type of qualities in the players, but also... I think from the mentality point of view, uh, I think they are trying to correct this. I think they are going on the, in the right way. I think the signings they did in the summer were good. And I think um, they are looking better now. I think they are in a much better place as a group, as a team, uh, as a club than they were a couple of years ago, even though results-wise, a couple of years ago, they finished the league in the second position. So, uh, but... If you have to look at uh, the overall picture, if you have looked at how you develop, how you want to be the top team, I think they are on a good way. Uh, and I think they, they for sure need more players in, but I think the way they are working is good. Um, with Ole, when you're playing with him, you always knew football-wise he was uh, clever. Uh, he is, uh, when you watch him on the pitch and you train with him, he was thinking all the time how he could get into goal-scoring positions. And, and he had the, the mentality to, to be best when he needed to, when the chance came, he would score. Uh, so he did not only have the skills, he also had the mentality to, to be precise when he, was ne- when he was needed. And that this is also good to take into your management. Uh, and I think uh, he was, when I was at United, he was not one of the leaders in the group. Later, I think, at United, when he was there longer time, I think maybe he became one of the leaders. And this will give him a lot of experience. At the same time, he was also the reserve team coach, which helped him a lot. And for sure, the two, two years in Norway where he were able to practice his way of working as a manager was very good for him. And uh, I know it's been difficult at United, but he's, I think he's done well. 
Mm, that's fascinating, Henning. Do, do, do you speak to him much at all? Like, did you know him? You know, obviously, you international teammates as well as club teammates. Do you speak to him now? Uh, I don't speak to him too much, to be honest. I, last time I spoke to him, I think, was when we played each other in Norway just before he left ah, United. But right. uh, but uh, that's that's a year and a half ago now, I think. So how how did that uh, one go? Who who won that match? Yes, yeah, I'm happy you asked. So I didn't have to tell myself. We actually beat them three three one, <laughs> and uh, so uh, it was a, it was a good day for us. And what about the your compatriot, the the Iceman, Mister Mister Johnson? What what were his qualities? What was he like? Ah, he top man. He is uh, as a personality. He's uh, he's one of the nicest guys you would ever meet. I not heard him say a bad word about anybody yet. Maybe when he gets old and grumpy, he will do, but not for now. And uh, but uh, he, he's he's a great guy. I, from on the football pitch. He is so selfless. He he do everything for the team. He can he played in any position he throughout his career. He even started out as a striker. So I think his his speed, his 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 physically level was very, very good. His technique with the ball is also good. And then when he started to play as a central defender for a few years, he learned this position and then he got more better tactically. And at his best, I think he was one of the best central defenders in Europe at his prime. Could I ask one a little bit about um Erling Haaland then actually, Henning? If if you obviously were managing over in, in Norway when he was playing perhaps, would, would, do you have memories of him and, and what he's done since? Has it surprised you? Yeah, he came on in that game against uh, Mulder when we beat them last time I saw Oli so uh, he did not score in this game <laughs> but, well there uh, you go rarity <laughs> but he, he was only 17 so it's okay uh, um, no I think he's a, he's a super talent he's a, he's a phenomenon he's a, you, 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 when you are so young and you have this physique and you have this understanding of uh, space and timing and movement at this age and this maturity to be a He's not only just a good player; he's a goal scorer with a with a big physique and and the power. So, how you can combine everything into one is is very strange. To see. you don't see this very often. You see some top top players with the, the unbelievable qualities, but he has so many of them, and that makes him special. And the only question for now is: he able to handle it? Can he continue? in the same way as he started. We, we, we don't know, we hope so, but what he's done so far at the level he's played is, is, is unbelievable, to be honest. Mm. And can I just ask you, it's, it's a crowbar uh, link, but another young player that came through uh, and, and did uh, brilliantly in his teenage years was Ryan Giggs. And I'm writing a piece on his goal against Arsenal uh, in the 99 FA Cup semi-final. Uh, yes. I know and he didn't play in that match, but wh- where did you, did you, were you in the stands to watch that goal? Or were yes, you, uh, yes. Can, uh, uh, what, what yes. are your memories of that? Uh, I I got injured in the semi-final against Juventus, so I missed. I had one month out, and I missed some big, big games towards the end of the season. And, and I for sure would not have played every of them, but I would have played some of them. So this was difficult for me. But watching Ryan Giggs scoring this goal was unbelievable. It's like the way it happened at this time in the match, in the extra time with ten men, for him to pick up the ball, for him to keep running, for him to fake the shoot, for him to score the goal, for him to celebrate. It was. Uh, it was something you, you to to be there live to see. I was very happy because <laughs> you can watch on TV and look outstanding. You you see it live and you don't really believe your eyes. Henning, quiz question for you: Which of your former Manchester United teammates has also managed in the top division in Cyprus? 
Ah, you've been checking. <laughs> you've been googling now, eh? Uh, I, sp- I spoke to him yesterday. Former teammates, I played with them from at, at Man United. You played with him at Man United, and he's from a very, very, very good footballing family. Ah, I, I don't think he was a manager. I think he was a sporting director, uh, Jordi Cruyff. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes, well, yes. You, you could argue about his influence on the team. I think at one point <laughs> he was running it, but that, that's. He said that the fan culture there is really good in Cyprus, and the, the, given the small population, um, the European record's good. What's the fan culture like there, and, and how does it compare with English fan culture? How did you find playing in front of United fans at those away games where you got three, four, five thousand people all singing your name and they had a song for you as well. How does it all compare? Well, I don't know if they had the song for me, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's nice to have the fans to create uh, the un- unbelievable uh, atmosphere for the players to, to raise their game, to get the adrenaline and, and to, to, to really able to play to your best level. This, so the fans makes the games and without the fans, it would not be funny. It would be competition, uh, but uh, it would not be as as it would not be, for sure not be the same. Um, with with the ammonia here in, in Cyprus, we are the 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 hard work the working class people's uh, team. So we have fans all over the all over the sea, the island. It's a small island, but there is more money uh, from uh, investors than there is uh, football players. So our best team is. Most of the time, without separate players in the team, we do have some young players coming through now, so that is good. But but the level of the the league is much higher than the level of the national team. And in Europe, we are more or less on the same level as Greece when we play in the Europa League or Champions League of, uh, group stages. So so the the league is okay level, is a good level with many many foreign players, many foreign coaches, and then some separate to 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 also be part of it, but mainly it's foreign players. So uh, when we play away from home, our last match we had we played uh, I Limassol away from home. We had five thousand people, our supporters in the away match. We had five thousand coming to watch the match. It was unbelievable. So wow. Wow. yeah, so 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 the the uh, the interest now because Omonia the last. 10 years have been ending 5-6 in the league. Now we are top, so everybody is wanting to see the matches now and everybody wants to to help us to win the league. So it's, it's a good good time. Uh, unfortunately, with the with the COVID-19 virus, it's, it's very difficult times. Uh, and we hope that we can uh, find some solution and that he can control it and we can get rid of it. And then when everything is healthy, when everything is clear, we can go back to football again. But uh, for now, we're sure, we need to make sure that uh, people stay healthy. And, and just one final one then, Henning. Obviously, you'd, you'd like to finish the season and, and see the title out. But beyond that, would you potentially like to come back to England? Obviously, you've managed in England before. Is, is that something that you still would, would like to ha- have ambition for? Yeah, it was a very short time <laughs> when I was in, in, in Black. <laughs> a crazy Korea. time, I guess. It was a crazy you know, time, difficult situation. Months. It was, but uh, how could I say no to a team that I played been for seven years with and had so much success as a player? I could, when they asked me, I would be. I, I could not say no, and uh, I knew there was a lot of problems at the club, but I was hoping it was possible to fix it. It wasn't, so so that was it. Uh, as a coach, as a manager, you you like to. The most important thing is that you work in the club where you are able to work the way you would like to do. 
this is so much more important for me than uh, at which level you work at. And here in Omonia, I'm very, very happy. Uh, it's a good club. It's a good corporation. We have uh, good fans and we have a good ambition and we are improving all the time. So, so for me, I'm fulfilling everything I would like to do from a professional level. So at the moment, this is, this is very, very good. And what will happen in the future is not possible to say. Lovely. That's, that's great. Thank you so much, Henning. No problem. No problem. Henningberg there saying Yapstan had okay pace. <laughs> Gentlemen, tell me what you are currently working on for the Athletic at the moment. Laurie, f- first of all, I've just noticed you've written a really interesting piece on Harry Kane possibly, maybe absolutely not coming to Manchester United one day. <laughs> I'm glad you went down that route there, Carl, because if you'd have given me the old, oh, so Harry Kane to United, I would have had to sort of go, well, sort of just change it around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I got absolute pelters from Spurs fans uh, who read this because obviously it, 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 it you know, affected their club or you know, it had some relevance to their club, quite a big relevance to their club. So it goes in their uh, feed on the Athletic app. So um, a lot of them were reading it and thinking outrageous that you're even trying to suggest that Harry Kane might leave Spurs let alone go to Manchester United why would he go to Manchester United I mean obviously my, my, my point there would be well you know they could probably pay him a lot more money uh, they have won trophies recently even though they're in a, a slump uh, and you know it's, it's Old Trafford and it's, it's Manchester United I would say that I'm probably biased um, Harry Kane might have other ideas but clearly there's 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 an, a feeling that you know I, I accept the current situation with coronavirus kind of throws everything off, off kilter really but there's a, a small feeling that maybe he's sort of considering his future you know just what might be best for the years to come if he really does want to win trophies if he really does want to make a statement in his career Um, so anyway it was just that kind of consideration Um, I'd been told that there was a sounding out of United um, you know from on Kane's behalf I don't know how much relevance we should put in that but certainly the the impression was that you know could something happen now on the flip side as you've as you've hinted uh, I then come to the conclusion that well listen it would take a hell of a lot of money um, you know 150 million probably Um, he wasn't on their summer list when the list was drawn up in February of targets and um, really he would have to kick up uh, you know you know stomp his feet and make it very plain that he wanted to leave Spurs for United to then initiate any kind of action so I think it's probably best to, to part that one there for now but but just sort of have that in the background and kind of think you know maybe maybe I know it's been going on a while that kind of thing thanks to our good pals at beer52.com you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash man you and pay the postage of 495 And, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletics podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash manu to get your free case. And don't forget right now, Talk With The Devils listeners get two free extra beers. 
and then yeah in terms of sort of other stuff um that i've got i've got a, a nice little interview um with a with the, the boy who aged 11 held up a sign saying please buy rooney and then six days later united went and signed him uh, and then he got invited down and, and to, the, to the unveiling and, and met rooney and, and sir alex so that's quite a cute little story um Danny Taylor is written on Fergie uh, press conferences, which I always find fascinating. I read his book on this, and um, he, he goes into de- detail on the the, star, the side of Sir Alex that we perhaps didn't see. You know, when he had uh, journalists in, um, you know, on, on a written basis, so that there was no cameras, and he, he basically let loose a lot of the time. It certainly was not all sweetness and light. It, it, you know, there's very uh, difficult moments and, and some probably unsavoury comments that he made. But but Danny sort of treats it with care and and, and gives you a real sort of what's the appetite really I mean I, I I wasn't covering United at the time at all when Fergie was um, was still a manager but I would have loved to just sort of have a couple of those instances where you get you know the real side of him um, there's also a great piece on Cleberson um, on the site and also um, our stats guy uh, Tom has done a brilliant piece on um, United's 98-99 squad in terms of the ages that they, they were at uh, and, and what the best possible age is for um, a squad to sort of achieve success it's, it sort of drills down into the numbers really interesting so that's certainly worth your time I really enjoyed that numbers piece especially how he mm. uh, says the peak years between 27 and 28 more or less Andy what have yeah. you been working on last week I did Jose Mourinho at Manchester United and how he still divides a lot of opinions I spoke to fans some of the fans who have been in Austria following the team and he's definitely uh, someone who I think most people were glad that he went but Still very divisive figure. I'm working on now Paul Scholes um, when he played for not just United England. He was a, he wasn't as effective for his country as he was for his club. Got a few other things lined up. Done a, I've done a big piece on Turin in '99 and being there, and probably the best game I've ever seen. I'm sure we'll speak about it in a few weeks. So that's it for this week, Laurie. It was so good talking to you about Henningberg and his thoughts on Erling Haaland. Yeah, I thought they were really interesting, actually, weren't they? Um, sort of didn't um, hold back in terms of his praise for him uh, and made some like really interesting technical points. So, I mean, clearly he's, he's, he's one to watch. And I think I just any Norwegian, you're going to be asking them about Erling Haaland for a while, aren't you? Because United fans will be thinking, you know, he's got the buyout clause in his Dortmund contract. OK, obviously this summer's a write-off, but next summer when it comes active, you know, would would United, after all that's that's passed, would, would they still go there? So but I, I thought that was really interesting from Henningberg and I, I, I thought he was very calm and composed and, and, and gave us his thoughts um, gave us his memories to, you know, in a really pleasant way and Andy your thoughts on Berg do you know he's the only treble winner who I've not interviewed before there's just a quirk of it and you know some of them I, I knew like some of the lads uh, like Jonsson who was from Norway knew, knew, him, knew him well I've seen him probably see him twice a year in person but Henning is I interviewed him a couple of times in mix zones but uh, never properly until then and I enjoyed listening to him I thought he spoke well I'm, I'm really glad that he's happy and doing well in management managing a decent sized team albeit in a in a small country and look I can listen to anyone talking about the treble especially in these times at the moment if he wants to hark back to happier times go for it mate I enjoyed it amazing it's so great talking to you Andy I can't wait to hear more about Chippers that's all for this week thank you so much Laurie cheers Carl Hope you well, mate. And thanks to you, Andy. Cheers, Carl. Enjoyed it. See you next week. Thank you, listener. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this show and many more. You can sign up and get a 40% discount by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man Pod. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talk to Devils podcast. 
at Manchester United Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back next week.